Here's some more exciting news about once-a-day Vulcan class low-sodium chlorous flour fluoroflavin philogestin galbophase 2000. More and more doctors are getting busier and busier and finding it harder and harder to find the time to recommend once-a-day Vulcan class low-sodium chlorous flour fluoroflavin philogestin galbophase 2000. But if they could, they would. Listen to what customers who've tried once-a-day Vulcan class low-sodium chlorous flour fluoroflavin philogestin galbophase 2000 are saying. Help me! Oh, someone please help me! <laughs> okay, that was what they were saying before trying once-a-day Vulcan class low-sodium chlorous flour fluoroflavin philogestin galbophase 2000. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for Peculiar Podcast, hosted by Pat Cashman. Gorgeous to look at. And Lisa Foster. She's dangerous. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. <laughs> can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. It's love and time. Stop the music. Stop it. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, can I just say how sick and damn tired I am of where I live, Central Oregon, and the snow that will not stop. It will oh not stop. God. Oh, my God. I'm gone mad. We've had this going on since mid-October. It snows all the time. We've never seen the ground in six months, and I've had it, Lisa Foster. And I want you to tell me what to do about it. Are you turning into Jack Torrance from The uh, Shining? Are you just going completely mad? Here's Johnny! That's a great comparison, yeah. You sent me a picture today. Keep keep me Um, away from axes. Yeah, you sent me a, texted me a picture today. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, really? You still got snow? It's April. Isn't it? Aren't you done with that? No, no, apparently not. Oh, Apparently, man. this is the thing now. Listen to you. Apparently, the Ice Age is resuming. Oh, I don't be- know where. I don't know what to do. I got a friend. My uh, Actually, not a friend. He's my brother. It's from Arizona <laughs> telling <laughs> me it's going to be 80 degrees today there. And to which I you- told him to go duck himself. <laughs> so God. you probably don't want to hear me telling you I'm going to Hawaii in a couple weeks then. Oh, <laughs> my God. No. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Night and you. And blue let me hey, let me open this wound up a little longer so you can pour more salt into it. Oh, there I we feel, go. Ah. I feel badly for you, but didn't you and 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 um, what's your wife's name again? I've only known her forty years. What's her I don't name? know. I don't. Yeah. Dolores. Anyway, didn't yeah. you guys just go to Arizona? And didn't you like? Or, or am I thinking Yeah, we about... went to Arizona back at the first of the year, and we yeah. contracted COVID. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You're on a tear I hope you today. come back from Hawaii. Are you going to Molokai? I hope you get leprosy. <laughs> God. I know. That's not fair. I know. I know. I'm overly but I... bitter. I feel your frustration, though, but you could just shut up and get on a plane and go to meet me in Hawaii. Come to Hawaii. How about just the first part? 75 degrees. Yeah, just get on a plane and go somewhere. Can you just do that, or would you rather just stay home and bitch about it? Um, Multiple choice. I'll take (laughs) option number one. 
please. Oh, thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Okay, let's. Uh, enough of that. I'm just whining. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got a. Uh, I sent away for this uh, golf card yesterday. Oh, what? It, Wait, I didn't understand what you just said. You know what you sounded like you said? A golf's card. What is a golf's card? Well, I didn't mean to put the S on it, but I'm, I'm lisping still because of that teeth oh. situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a golf card, singular. But a it, golf a, card? Like yeah. a greeting card? No, it's like a certificate that lets you golf at various golf courses around oh. the area, oh. uh, which I'm very excited about, but I compared it... Having a ticket to an actual Van Morrison concert while I've been spending the entire winter only being able to play his recordings. That wasn't a great comparison, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I thought it was an ideal comparison. <laughs> we were born before the wind, also younger than the sun. Yeah, the bonnie boat was one as we sail into the mystic. So you bought a it's as golf good as like I a, can get, as bitter as I am. I know, like a punch card thingy, sort of membership thing that you can. Yeah, does yeah. It, and does it have an expiration date, or is the clock just running on this thing that you can't use right now? Yeah, it gives me a very. We can golf oh, at about no. ten different golf courses, but we, oh, apparently no. we have to do them all within the first week of August. And there is, there is no guarantee the snow will be gone by then. All right, let's let's move on here. We skip the light fandango. I'm sorry to note the passing of a guy named Keith Reed, who was the lyricist for Procol Harum, uh, who who really pretty much had this one hit, "Whiter Shade of Pale." Keith Reed wrote the uh, the lyrics for it. I skipped a light fandango, did cartwheels across the floor. You know that one. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's basically about a drunken party and a guy whining about a failed romance. And uh, it was a huge hit for this group, Procol Harum. This guy was considered himself more of a poet than a musician. Keith Reed, he was 76. Have you ever heard of Mark Russell? He, uh, he passed common, away. It's such a common name. I'm pretty sure I've dated a Mark Russell. Or a Jack Russell. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That seems pretty common. And of but... course, Mark Mark Russell was the longtime quarterback for the Seahawks. But this, ah. this Mark Russell, you accepted that? Okay. This Mark uh, Russell. I sure. How do I know? <laughs> you're right. Who cares? This guy was 90, and he was a political satirist. He, you know, he took on both sides equally for the most part. He would stand upright at a piano and play these little ditties that he wrote of a political bent. Very clever. On both sides of a question, I can speak with brash impunity, and I can sing a different song and please each damn community. I plan to say what pleases every different kind of resident until I count enough of them to vote for me as president. In short, because I bear in mind the winning's very critical, I am the very model of a candidate political. He was 90. And then there was a man named Walter Cole who died in Portland. Uh, he was 92. But Walter Cole was not a name anybody knew him by in the Portland area. He was known as Darcel the world's oldest drag queen. 
Oh. And, and he ran a uh, he ran a bar and a and an entertainment establishment in Portland forever, uh, in bringing drag queens into the uh, sort of into the mainstream, going back years ago. Yeah. Darcel ninety two. Be happy. Everything will come to you if you're a happy person, and you only are happy if you do and become who you are and and follow the dream. And a guy named Bill Zemi, who's an author, he was 64, he died way too early, I think he had leukemia uh, or something like that. But he, he wrote a number of books about celebrities, most for the most part. My favorite, and I have it by my bedstand because I look at it all the time, it's called The Way You Wear Your Hat and The Lost Art of Living by about Frank Sinatra. Oh. And he doesn't, it's not really a biography of Sinatra as it is about his lifestyle and, and his rules. Sinatra's rules included, you know, you always wear a tuxedo on, on stage. You, you, you're never rude to a woman. Drink a certain kind of uh, booze. Uh, he had all these rules. And um, this book, The Way You Wear Your Hat, details them, taken from this song, of course. The way you wear your hat. The way you sip your tea The memory of all that No, no, they can't take that away from me The way your smile just beams And one of my favorite parts of the book, and I think I might have told you this before, but I'm, it bears repeating. Sinatra goes to the doctor, a new doctor, who was inquiring about his alcohol intake. And Frank said, "How many, you know, he said, the doctor said, how many drinks do you have a day, Frank? And Frank said, I have 36 drinks a day. <laughs> the doctor told him, no, seriously, how many? No, I'm serious. I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels every day. That figures to be roughly 36 drinks. So I drink 36 drinks a day. So the doctor was appalled, of course. He asked how he felt each morning, and Frank said, I don't know. I'm never up in the morning, and I'm not sure you're the doctor for me. He left the doctor. The doctor died not long afterward, which uh, is probably neither here nor there. But Frank got started on Jack Daniels because of Jackie Gleason. He, was, he struck up a friendship with a million years ago, and Gleason said, yeah, you got to have Jack Daniels. Don't be drinking any other stuff. And so he took the advice, and uh, it was Jack Daniels, or, or gasoline, as they used to call yeah, it. Yeah, not so the... much advice, just a, a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, a suggestion. Not good advice, so, huh. And finally, this uh, person uh, might not otherwise make the cut of people I mentioned at the outset of our podcast, except for the headline that came with his uh, – Obituary. Oh, a guy boy. named Yang Bing Yi uh, passed away. I forget mm -hmm. how old he was. But mm -hmm. the headline said, Yang Bing, this was in the New York Times, Yang Bing Yi, who brought soup dumplings to the world. <laughs> okay. That was his <laughs> lasting impact on humanity. He brought soup dumplings to the world. <laughs> well, that's you know, more than I brought. That's yeah, more than I brought. <laughs> some other guys might say, Yang Bing Yi, he brought a cancer cure to the world. He brought an end to all wars. He brought proof of God. But no, Yang Bing Yi brought soup dumplings to the world. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks for that, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's brought a lot of people pleasure. 
Yeah. There's a lot of people who really dig on soup dumplings. (laughs) That's right. My wife went to the DMV the other day. She was going to get her driver's license for this state, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And when I got my license a couple of years ago, I, I submitted to a, a, you know, a written test. And I had, so I had to read their book, see I was different from Washington State and all of that. Well, I passed, but, you know, not with flying colors, but I got through it. Mm-hmm. So my wife uh, has had a Washington State driver's license until recently. And then it's expired now, so she had to go get an Oregon license, and I brought home the book. And I said, well, bone up on this, because they're going to ask you these questions. Turns out, I never asked the right questions. Didn't I never had to take the dumb oh. test, and I could have just walked in and paid 50 bucks or whatever and gotten a license, which she did the other day. Well, wait. So you went in and said, I want to take the test? And they said, sure, here you go. No, or I how did you end up taking the test? Well, my memory is that they said, oh, you got to take the test. Got to take the uh, written test. Do I have to take a driver's test? No, not that again, but the written test. So I, oh. I submitted to it. But oh, so it turns out you don't have to. If you're an oh. out-of-state out of resident now in Oregon, oh. you don't need to take all the tests over again. You've already proved that you've got a driver's license. That's I don't know. I feel like people should be taking that test every year. I just do. All of the flagrant um mistakes that people make while driving yeah i I really and maybe it wouldn't matter if they took the test or not and they'd still drive like jerks but i feel like everybody needs to have that test every year i really do. well just as long as you don't have to take a test to buy a gun then i'm all all for that yeah Uh, right so uh yeah I, I am too. And I used to be more dogged and dogmatic about it when I was a younger man. I just said, anybody who's old should take the driver's test over again, especially anybody driving a motorhome. Have you ever mm. driven a motorhome? They're difficult. Nah, those people should take a test, all those <laughs> old people. Now that I am an old people, I don't feel the same way anymore. Really? I, I think I've, I've been driving for years. Why should I take the test over again? Well, just, wait a minute. Are you talking about the driving test or the written test? Either. Oh, okay. I think you have uh, documented proof that you can handle it behind the wheel and you shouldn't have to take a test again. But I felt entirely different years ago, of course. Yeah. Especially when I'm behind some old guy in a motorhome. Come on! (laughs) Pull over! Yeah. Move! (laughs) Idiot. And when you're behind somebody or when somebody's going too fast you're saying, what a maniac. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you're there never, isn't. yeah, you're never happy with either one. Yeah, it's, they've uh, got to be doing exactly what you're doing. Exactly, exactly. an idiot or a maniac. Maybe you can drive my car. Yes, I'm gonna be a star. Maybe you can drive my car. And maybe I love you. So my wife is at the DMV. She goes in and she's sitting there and she says, there's like 20 other people in there. And some old guy sitting across from her strikes up a conversation. He said, I don't think I had to take this goddamn test over again. I've been driving for 68 years and I've had hardly any accidents. And you don't usually run into anybody on a tractor. But the point is, I shouldn't have to. And he's just carrying on. And then she says something back to him. And he said, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I'm as deaf as a doornail. 
Yeah. So, so she said, well, I think the expression is dead as a doornail. Oh. Doornails, <laughs> they don't really have ears and they can't hear. No, <laughs> no, you're wrong. It's <laughs> deaf as a doornail. <laughs> well, okay. That's what it is. I'm thinking. What did he? What else did he go on to tell you that when life gives you lemons, send them back? <laughs> that he's madder than a wet hornet. That he'll cross that bridge when it burns behind him. That he's as old as the mole hills. Remember that movie where the guy said, "Luke, I am your sister." Yeah, exactly. Remember that movie where the guy said, "I'm going to make him an offer he can excuse." This guy wasn't getting off of his position about yeah. uh, cliches and sayings, and that was that. Yeah, I do love, I love mixed metaphors. I think um, they're, I do them on purpose just to make people, I'll say things like, that is a whole different kettle of fish of a different color. <laughs> just because I think it's funny. Yeah, and it drives them nuts. It drives me all nuts. Exactly. Nuts. Yeah, that's yeah. a good reason for doing it. Hey, we're just, as we're recording this, we are just past April Fool's Day. Yeah. And uh, it's it's funny because so many people, I think, sometimes tend to joke around a little bit that, oh, you must love April Fool's Day. Must be your favorite day of the year. Not so. Yeah. I've never liked it. Practical jokes. Even though on the radio, we would do some April Fool's stunts when you and I were on the radio. My personal favorite was one that my friend and our mutual colleague, a guy named Dustin Hornby, came up with. And it was that there had been, we were making the whole thing up, of course, that there's this new law that's going to go into effect in Washington state that uh, will force everybody to convert from conventional time, you know, on your watch and your clock. Now we're yeah. going to convert to metric time. <laughs> and uh, and he, he re read it as if it was from a newspaper, USA Today. And that was the premise of this bit. It was just a fake news item that we made up. And uh, in my position was that I was I was extremely opposed to it. I thought it was another example of government overreach, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And mm -hmm. then your position is that, well, now, wait a minute, Pat, not so mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe metric time is worth looking at. I mean, you know, everybody else in the world is on metric system. Why not right. us? Right. And then, and then Hornby, who's a former Canadian, of course, is making all this baloney up about how metric time works. I right. can't remember what words he made up, but he'd say, I yeah. he'd say like, for example, Pat, one minute in metric is 14 Google mites. <laughs> and then I would go, well, why is that better? Oh, Pat, you've got to see how it's better. It's more precise. You know, you tell somebody you're going to meet them at, at 14 Googlebytes, they know exactly when you're supposed to meet them. But the, the you know, the giving a well, one o'clock or two o'clock is too vague. It could be, uh, you know, time on either side of the exact time. Well, he was just carrying on. Yeah. He was full of belonging. We got so many angry phone calls from people who were taking my position uh, that this was uh, ridiculous. What was wrong? And now we, and, and now everybody's going to have to buy new clocks. No way. We're not doing it. We're not, there are going to be protests like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, people, our listeners, they had a litter of cows about this. And it was, very, it was so fun to see how riled up they got, and oh, yeah. and it's like really you don't know what the date is today. It's amazing how many people. Well, don't. some people were. I mean, not everybody fell. Yeah, into it, but anybody who called and we we could see their names. Yeah. On, on hold on the waiting. 
uh, we yep. didn't we would not take their call because we didn't want the bit to to mm-hmm. be undone just yet. Exactly. Until the end of the, until the, end of the broadcast. Yeah, well, very fun. This whole April Fool's thing again to beat a dead horse or beat a dead cow, as that old man would have said at the DMV. Uh, <laughs> we. It was the famous April Fool's incident on the TV show Almost Live in Seattle, where the predicate was that the space meeting, we interrupted our own broadcast with a fake news bulletin that said that the space needle had just toppled. It had fallen over, and we had a crude photograph of it lying on its side. We interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for the following special report. Good evening. Approximately seven minutes ago, at 6.53 p.m., the Space Needle collapsed. It was, no, it was an ill-conceived April Fool's bit, for one thing. But the, uh, the offshoot of it was that there was a deluge of phone calls, 911 calls and others coming both to the front desk at King TV, where the show was broadcast from, and to the 911 operators. People terrified. My daughter's working in the restaurant there at the Space Needle. I, I haven't heard from her. What's going on? You know, it'd be stuff like that. Yeah. T- terrible aftermath of things that we hadn't thought through. I was walking, I was walking along Mercer here and I heard this sound, it was like thunder and I I looked up and it was swaying. And it just it was and it just it went over. It just it was it was like somebody just kicked the bottom out from under it. You wouldn't believe it. Well, it created this big storm and drong that like I said people hadn't really thought about before we did the stupid thing. But what happened as a result of it was even though it was ill-conceived, it made the national news. It was carried <laughs> everywhere. It was on the national yeah. broadcast. And yeah. uh, as a result, the TV show Almost Live, which has been kind of stumbling along in the ratings up to that point, suddenly got on the map and it was being talked about. And I think it influenced the ultimate success of that show that kept it on the air for 15 years. But Did you guys get it? An- did you guys get in trouble for that? We got or... threatened for trouble. We're going to shut this TV show down. So the man they, said they had, he... they had to sorry. make an apology the next week. I think John Keister had to come out and say, we're sorry. Oh, so the station management said you guys. Oh, yeah. 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 You could. Did everybody it... go? Did everybody go? It wasn't my idea. That wasn't my idea. Oh, that's what I did. And it really wasn't my (laughs) idea, but you can clearly hear that's my voice. We interrupt our regularly scheduled programming. If I wasn't a direct party to it, I was was certainly, my hands weren't clean. Let's put it that way. But I bet that once the ratings started skyrocketing, management went, all right, it's okay as long as you boys learned your lesson. Well, it's so funny because... Uh, one uh, episode I remember of the show, there was a modest little joke about Gene Anderson. On the uh, on the brighter side, Gene Anderson had a beautiful wedding yesterday. Look at that, Gene married there yesterday. Isn't that nice? At least I hear I hear it was beautiful since I wasn't on the guest list. Guess she just didn't want any old boyfriends there. <laughs> Damn that restraining order. Yeah. Anyway, I guess the decorations were great, the food was fantastic, but since it was a Friday wedding, Gene couldn't make it, so Lori Matsukawa filled in for her. No, 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 no. Gene was there, and I guess it was very nice. The couple wrote their own vows. Gene said, I do. Now let's go to Jeff for the weather. Okay, am I fired yet? 
Am I? Okay, no. just, just, just about. I'm just going to pull back from the edge. Anyway, Gene, if you're watching, well, if you're watching, I guess it's not that great of a honeymoon. Actually, to tell you the truth. And the station management. I mean, Gene Anderson was a longtime newscaster and anchor at King TV. It's like Mother Teresa of King TV. Mm -hmm. Inviolate. You cannot make jokes about her or even imply any criticism of her. She's perfect. And yes. she's our, she's our, she's the face of the station. She's our number one uh, image, uh, and and you cannot make fun of her, you little punks down there, and and that TV show that you do each week. <laughs> yeah. And so the decree came out from the station management: this program, this show, will never air again. All right, that's it. Whenever shows are rerun, this one will not be among them. Very Ooh. big declaration in writing. Ooh. Yikes. Well, years later, King TV continued to run almost live, even though it had been canceled. And so, of course, that show came up multiple times. <laughs> you know, be between administrations, I guess, everybody left and nobody remembered that, oh, we're not supposed to run this one again. So they, they ran it all the time. So, so <laughs> much for that. <laughs> That's very funny. Speaking of that, getting in trouble for things, I, uh, and I might have talked about this before, but not in a long time. When we had our radio show on Como Radio, mm -hmm. uh, this is, you know, 20 plus years ago, we, uh, there was a story that came across, which caught my eye, and it was that in the Washington State Legislature, I believe he was a senator, he might have been just a representative, but I think it was a senator a state senator, put forth a proposal that would make having sex with a dead body a type C felony. In other words, you know, having uh, intercourse with a corpse would become a type C felony. Apparently, it wasn't a felony of that order up till then. Hmm. I don't know what a type C felony is. What's I, I think it's pretty bad. It, I mean, the word felony alone should tell you. And I don't right, really know what a type C, C feels is. Like, but C feels like it's not as bad as an A. <laughs> well, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. I guess Which that would be so. It should be a type A. It really should. I think type C is the <laughs> lowest form of felony, but it is a felony. And up till then, believe it or not, there was nothing illegal about doing that to well, a dead body. When you say believe it or not, I have thoughts around that because it's like, I, I mean, it's not, um, it's not a pleasant thing to think about. But I'm just gonna say that it probably nobody care. The dead, the dead body doesn't care. Pardon me, miss, but I've never done this with a real liar. Girl. Well, that's you could look at it that way, I guess. And and uh, but it's to me, what was to think about, but that my take on it was, and I produced not really this hurting anybody. I produced this whole bit based not on on the actual meaning of what that act entailed, okay. but but I based my bit on how difficult it must have been to stand there in the uh, in the legislative body <laughs> and bring it up. On the yeah. on the House floor or the Senate <laughs> yeah. floor, 
Yeah. And so that was the bit. And so I recorded this fake audio. I had the, you know, the sound of a big, big cavernous chamber and, and then, uh, you know, the, uh, speaker of the house or the Senate leader or whoever gaveling yeah. everybody. And I, uh, would like now to introduce the honorable Senator, uh, Let's call him Senator Willoughby, who has a proposal he would like to raise. Senator? Thank you uh, very much. I would like to propose making a Type C felony out of anyone who has I'm sorry, uh, we didn't quite get that last part. Uh... Okay. Uh, anyone having <coughs> uh, yes? Sex at the DMI. Again, we're having a little difficulty uh, hearing you, Senator. Uh, what is what is it that you want to make a Type C felony? Ah, uh, you know, I just said it. I. Uh, Having sex with a dead body. Did you say having sex with a dead body? Yeah. So the bit was like that. It's just like, yeah. how can I say this out loud? And it's being recorded and put into the permanent record and all of that. So that was the bit. And I thought it was funny. The idea was that it, how hard it would be to have to put something like that right. uh, into action. So that Got was it. the bit. And that was it. it was, we did the rest of our radio show. When we get off the radio show, uh, a woman at the front desk who's the receptionist says, hey, Pat, there's a call holding for you on line three. I go, oh, who's that? It's a Senator Willoughby. And that's what I thought. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, no. What have I done? Oh, he's <laughs> going to be so angry. So, But I take the call. The man could not have been nicer. He said, I, he said, I listen to your uh, show every day uh, driving into... Uh, the uh, Olympic uh, Olympia sessions, and I, I find you generally very amusing. Uh, <laughs> generally, uh, that woman is is pretty good, uh, but um, I just thought you might be interested to know why I introduced that legislation. Uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess I should have found that that out first. Uh, why why did you introduce the legislation? Uh oh, it's because it happened oh, no. to my mother. Oh my God, his dead oh. mother. Laying, laying in a oh. funeral home, waiting okay. for the funeral. A guy, right. bro a guy broke in the back window and came okay, in. Okay, now and, I feel badly. That yeah, well, that's how I, I felt. Oh, <clears throat> my God, what have I done? And But he, he he tried to make me feel better, which he didn't have to do. He could have just laid into me. You know, yeah. You stupid idiot. Why don't, yeah. you, why don't you find out what you're talking about before you make fun of it, you know? And yeah. I really wasn't making fun of right. the, the actual act. It was the... The uncomfortableness of bringing it up, but but right, but nonetheless, he was right. I, I needed to know what where I was coming from. That was my one of the low points of my broadcast career. Yeah, and that's <sighs> so thankfully that back in chest. the day where, and that's thankfully back in the day when we didn't have to deal with social media. You could have really gotten raked over the coals on that one. Oh yeah, I think about that all the time. I yeah. think about a, a lot of the things we would do, and um, arguably the things that we can maybe get away with on this podcast sure. Uh, because it's not regulated by the FCC as far as I know, but, but on the air, yeah, you had 
you had to be very cognizant of it all the time. And mm -hmm. I and I generally was. We never uh, cursed. I was never explicit in any blue humor, if you will. It was always double entendres and innuendos, if anything. Uh, because I always took pride in people telling me, yeah, I can drive my kids to school in the morning, listen to your show, and not uh, not be embarrassed by something that you guys said. But that one uh, probably was not a highlight for me, and I wouldn't put it on, on my reel of greatest hits. But it happened. My, my favorite ability that you had was how to turn a completely filthy, perverted, disgusting, dirty joke <laughs> yes. into a clean joke that would pass muster. Uh, being on the air, the FCC managed nobody. You you had such a skill. No, I don't think I had a skill. But oh, I, are you kidding? You made it super funny. Well, when... I I I, my, I put it out as a challenge. I called it the dirty joke challenge. Yes. And and I would ask any listener you. Call in. We'll have to have you call in off the air, or go to my my voice message and and tell us the dirtiest joke you know, the and then I'm going to come back. Most disgusting. Yes. Yes. Awful. Just oh yeah. 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 Some, and then you that, yeah would be censored. Yeah, and, and, and then, then my, you would somehow be able to make it still funny without any of the dirtiness. That was the, that was the premise. Tell Great. me the dirtiest joke. I'll substitute a word or two here or there. Uh, and and I'll be able to tell the joke on the air without getting the station shut down, and uh, and the joke mm -hmm. will still be funny. Well, mm -hmm. it didn't take very long for that whole premise <laughs> to fall apart. I started getting jokes so filthy, <laughs> unbelievably dirty, yes. and I realized that you, they, they're not funny unless you keep them just as filthy as they are in their original version. Yeah, it, it's um, not. It's just mm -hmm. not as funny to substitute certain words for curse words. It loses a lot. And I'm not a big fan of filthy jokes, but but uh, funny is funny. And, and, and you, right. you cannot tell a really good, ribald, dirty joke. Yeah. Clean it up and make it as funny mm -hmm. as the original. Just can't be yeah. done. So yeah. It's that's a, what I learned. Yeah. It's a good challenge. Yeah. Well, I went for a drive in my pickup truck. I picked up my girl because I wanted to show her my gloves because she had on her mitts and I blushed brightly when she showed me her perfume that she buys whenever Avon calls so I pulled down my pants and I showed her my polka dot undies my polka dot undies hey um Moving along like a spastic grasshopper. Yeah, I've heard you're going to Hawaii. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Why? Uh, our last podcast, we uh, I brought up this idea of novelty songs. And we don't usually, you know, refer back to previous podcasts. But I did. we did see uh, some comments, including one from a Pat Alder, who mentioned a, a series of uh, records back in the day called Flying Saucers Have Landed. Uh, parts one and part two, mm -hmm. and the and and these bits don't hold up anymore. But these were really popular at the time because they were quite topical. So they would they would bring up a news item, for example, and then and then punchline it with a lyric from a popular song. Uh, here's here's an example. <clears throat> we interrupt this record to bring you a special bulletin. 
The reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. The flying saucers are real. We have with us Professor Sir Cedric Pentingmold of the British Institute. And the professor is approaching a saucer to see if there's possibly any sign of life aboard. Well, I'm sure something. Are you there? I hear you now, but you now that the reference is probably lost on anybody today, but yeah. that was a very popular device back there for, for uh, novelty songs, I remember. And then on a local level, uh, there was at least one outstandingly popular novelty song in the Northwest. It was by a guy named Dave Phillips, and it was called Godzilla Ate Tukwila. Well, I saw Godzilla eat up Tukwila. Then he went down, he ate Renton for dessert. He couldn't stand the aroma of the north side of Tacoma, so he gobbled up Puyallup with a burp. So that one was fun, and they got a lot of airplay back in the day. So thanks for uh, your comments and thoughts yeah. about that stuff, folks. Super fun. I do some stupid stuff when I'm watching TV. This <laughs> will come as a surprise to you. But I, um, I'd i like to tell you I was watching Masterpiece Theater. Sure. Or the, uh, Nova, The original perhaps. movie version of Hamlet. But no, sure. I was watching the Three Stooges Marathon <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> They still amuse me. I'm fascinated by them. There really was no other group like them that that did comedic things in sight in in quite the same way, and especially with their crazy mayhem and popping each other over the head with stuff, slapping each other, poking each other's eyes. I just never found that amusing at all. It didn't. It just. I don't know. It just well, left don't apologize. Cold. I think it's very much a ma a man and boy kind of thing, especially boys. We thought it was hilarious, <laughs> and of course we would do it to ourselves as well sometimes. With yeah, but I don't think many women like the Stooges because you know women don't care for it's that. Just dumb. Kind of it's just dumb, and I imagine how many childhood injuries were caused by those yeah. you know ridiculous men well i remember grown adults grown adults <laughs> on a movie set doing that and then you're right these kids and so i wonder how many kids ended up hurt because of that 14 Actually, <laughs> okay. I actually well, have it in front bad. of me here. Yeah. Not as bad not as you would bad. think. Yeah. No. No, I remember we did the eye poke and oh, we'd, we'd hit each other over the head with plastic baseball bats and stuff like that. <laughs> my brothers and I, thinking that was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I'm watching the Stooges yesterday, I thought they're they're so they're such um, they're so crazy. They're so madcap. They're so unrefined and goofy and silly and uh, overtly and stupidly violent that yeah. I, I I dreamed that wouldn't it be cool if in the middle of a movie of comparative stature uh suddenly the the stooges burst in hey, look a rooster bar <laughs> and then they're gone and then the, and then the movie resumes uh let me give <laughs> like you what, like what for instance let me give you an example of how it would work here's okay. gone with the wind oh god <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. See, I think that makes a that makes the movie kind of more interesting. 
I think you're right. I would watch the Stooges if they did it that way. I just yeah. can't sit through an hour and a half of them. But yeah, yeah if you just <clears throat> in small little like doses, I think would be pretty hilarious. Yeah, you could put them into uh, an even more serious movie. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. So there you go. I, I It's just something I was thinking about yesterday. It may be another of my money-making schemes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Uh, and that, and oh. that also uh, reminds me of just, you know, lightening up bad news for somebody. I think we've talked about this. That's another good idea. Yeah, How about a newscast have... with bad news yes. and then the Stooges burst in? Yes. Uh, the indictment itself doesn't talk about whether or not what, what crime was relied upon to bump it up from a misdemeanor to a felony. Oh, This, this is all about election interference, and that's how they're framing it. I think we may be on to something here. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of these friends of mine, and I won't use their real name, but let's call it's my best friend and his wife. Well, let me call them the Bucklestons or something like that. Okay. And my wife and I used to do a bit with each other called Watching TV with the Bucklestons. And I'll try to recreate it here. Let's imagine there's a TV show on in the background. These are the Bucklestons, the Bucklestons watching any TV show. Oh, that couldn't happen. <laughs> oh, come on! Give me a break. That isn't real. That couldn't happen, could it? No. That's... <laughs> no. So, what a... What, how can he fly? <laughs> and, and Anyway, why would he have a cape? I mean, the cape would just get in the way, wouldn't it? What if, what if the cape got caught in some gears or something like that? That doesn't make any sense. And how can they not tell? Yeah, how can they not tell who he really is just because he's wearing a pair of glasses? That's right. <laughs> yeah, come on, Lois, wake up. It's Clark Kent, for God's sakes. Think. So those are the Bucklestons. They oh. got to comment through everything that's on TV, fiction or non-fiction. How They're annoying. They're the TV set. It just kills us. It's the funniest <sighs> damn thing. Oh and they do it God. all the time. <laughs> Throw away your television. Time to make this clean decision. Master waits for its collision now. It's a repeat. Well, uh, I had some other things that I wanted to gab about that some of them might even be interesting, but... I, yes. I think I think we're about out of time here. I did want to mention this item I saw in a tabloid about a, a Georgia woman who caused a stir by writing a barbed obituary remembering her father as, quote, hard as nails, redneck SOB. Ooh. This was in the obituary she submitted to the newspaper. Oh, wow. The guy died at 62. And she wrote... He finally found something meaner and more stubborn than himself. The disease he died of, she said, oh, was referring oh, to. Oh. He loved to drink, fish, and hunt, and he was a halfway decent carpenter. If you could convince him to show up and work, which most people weren't capable of accomplishing. Still, she wrote, his terrorized and traumatized family loved him till the end.
the joke of the podcast okay sam and john by the way i don't i don't know if you're gonna like this one i really <laughs> i thought about that now, now, this I'm, is... now i'm thinking about this every time i start to do one of these is this gonna go over with lisa i don't know yeah i love that you really um I'm want thinking to about me as much as you that you say yeah, you do, I do. um well, but normally I, this is sort of a departure because normally you oversell it a bit you say you're gonna love this and i always warn you against that so maybe now that you've come into i don't know if you're gonna like it maybe yeah. that will well yeah. in the last in, in the last few uh of these podcasts i'm now riddled with doubt about <laughs> these things but i'm gonna go for it anyway Okay. We'll see what it'll stand alone like the cheese. Here we go. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, in case you're just joining us, John and Sam Bill. and John. Oh, Bill and Sam. Who? Sam and John. Oh, Sam and John. Okay. And John. Yeah, they were out cutting wood, mm. and John cut his arm off. Oh my God! It occurs to me that last podcast I also did a joke about guy <laughs> yes. with no arms. Yes. <laughs> That's uh. That's not a trend I I realized I was running towards until now. Okay, anyway. John uh, cut both arms off or just No, one? just one. Just one. Okay. So it's different than the other joke. Sure is. John cuts his arm off, and so Sam, his friend, quickly wraps the arm in a plastic bag and takes it and John to a surgeon. Perfect. And the surgeon said, ah, you're in luck. I'm an expert at reattaching limbs. Come back in four hours. So Sam leaves, and when he gets back in four hours, the surgeon said, I've got good news. I got done faster than I expected. In fact, John isn't even here anymore. He's down at the local pub. So Sam went down to the pub, and there, sure enough, was John throwing darts like nothing had happened. Throwing darts with the arm, by the way, that he had cut off four hours earlier. What? Amazing. So a few weeks later, Sam and John were out cutting wood again, and this time, oh my gosh, John cut his leg off. <laughs> so you shouldn't laugh at that. That's not good. I just Sam, John is an idiot. <laughs> hey, the moral of the joke is John is an idiot. Okay, yeah, so well, he cut his leg John off. An, if you call John an idiot for cutting his leg off, that will make him hopping mad, Lisa. <laughs> So I want you to think about what you just said. Okay. All, All right. right. So he cut his leg off. Is it on the same? Off. Is it on the same side that his arm was, or does that not matter? That information is not clear. Uh, All right. Let me get back to you on that. But okay. All the, right. The the point is that he cut his leg off when they yeah. were cutting wood again, and so Sam, his friend, puts the leg into a plastic bag <laughs> and takes it and John back to the same surgeon. Wait. A leg in a plat, like a hefty bag or something. Must have been a big old, big, big old. The point is, of course, it's big enough for the leg. Okay, I. But just... it's a plastic bag again. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> you get into the details, which run a joke <laughs> off the rails, and and wring it out of any any potential laughter. <laughs> Sorry. 
All right. So. Okay, continue. All right. Leg in the bag, so, leg so. in the bag, leg in the bag. Leg in the bag. That sounds like a it's wrong <laughs> right there. Okay, so we take they take that to the surgeon. And, and leg takes, in the bag. He, he takes John back to the surgeon too. The surgeon said, Oh boy, you know, legs are a little tougher. Why don't you come back in six hours? So Sam leaves. When he comes back in six hours, the surgeon said, I finished early. John is down at the soccer field. And so Sam Sam goes down to the soccer field. Sure enough, there's John. He's kicking goals. What? With the leg he'd had cut off. What? Yes, I know. It's hard to believe. (laughs) A few weeks later. Oh, no. No, no, no. They're out cutting wood again. What did he cut off? John had a terrible accident. What happened? And he cut his head off. Oh! So Sam puts the head in a plastic bag, takes it, and the rest of John to the surgeon. The surgeon said, well, you know, heads, heads are really tough. Why don't you come back in 12 hours? So Sam left. When he gets back in 12 hours, the surgeon said, I'm very sorry to tell you, John died. Oh. Sam goes, yeah, I, I get it. Heads are tough. The surgeon said, oh, no, the surgery went fine, but John suffocated in that plastic bag. (laughs) I guess I guess it went over as well as I could expect. You did good. Well, I think I'm going out of my head. Yes, I think I'm going out of my head. Listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at peculiarpodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration.